You all, the members of the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild, stand in a dark, oppressive dungeon hallway. All around you are heavy wooden doors covered with chains, padlocks, arcane runes, and far stranger filling the air around you is almost a fog of arcane magical energy that fills your nostrils, makes it a little hard to breathe. And filling your ears are strange alien sounds emitting from all of the various chambers and jail cells that you have passed and have yet to pass. Shrieking animal noises, musical notes, all kinds of incomprehensible things, all in a cacophony, and most of them accompanied with a variety of banging on doors. But in front of you is an open door, the door you've been searching for, the door of the Libra Morte. And instead of a grimoire or ancient book or something more conventional, you see a person. Pale skin, gaunt features, wearing some simple robes that have some stylized features to them. And you all take in this sight as this creature takes you all in in turn. So, who are you? What do you wish of me? Is it knowledge you seek? Power? You are not what we were expecting. And Kaskrin peers into the room to see if there is anything else besides this strange man. Has he hidden the book somewhere? You know, has he done something with it? This room is totally empty, save for what appears to be a very simple stone bench that this creature is kind of sitting on and bench is almost overselling it it is like a stone cutout against the wall you Kaskrin see this dwarven individual take you in as you peer in as you look around you see no scraps of food no bedpans no water nothing mm -hmm. in this whole place and this individual says nothing to you are they tied, chained, anything in there that looks like it would 
keep them in the room. Roll me a perception check. Eight. Mm. There are no visible chains or ropes or anything like that anywhere on this person's scaly appendages or body or anything like that. Val will take a step forward to the threshold and look around, do a general vibe check. I think she knows the vibe of the book. From like research From and research, stuff. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like I think because this book was what Lorana said would really be the book yes. she needed to fix the bones, fix anything. Val did a lot of research on this one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if at this point it's a vibe check to... Are you trying to read how this creature is feeling or this individual is feeling? Are you trying to recall something useful about what the book is about or does as a way to get a conversational in? What's your what's the approach? Val wants to know since this book asked our intentions mm-hmm. with it, what its intentions might be. Not realizing she would become across a sentient being. Sure. Yeah, and nothing that you researched would have said anything about that. Can I also ask Sophie and Valeska, as you were doing this research, were you able to find information about it easily? Or is it something that, like, all records of the Libra Morte have been hidden and destroyed somewhere? And you really had to, like, dig deep just to find what scraps you could. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask, insight sounds good. But first, roll me an... What have we been doing for library checks? I don't remember. Oh. Is it history? I think we were doing history because that's like Val's intelligence sure. research. <laughs> Preference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Natural 20. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. So that would be a 25. To David's point, it actually did take some doing. It wasn't necessarily stricken. It's not like, oh, this, these are pages ripped out or mm-hmm. this was in a different edition of a book. But it just isn't mentioned directly very often. Certainly, if you had just kind of asked around, no one, even in the library, would have been super aware of what it was. Until, I'll say you found a researcher in the library who was looking through the stacks, maybe just struck up a conversation. You got to talking, and throughout the course of this conversation, you realize that this person is a Pentarchy historical expert, specifically of the Pentarchy itself. Through your research and through this individual, you put together that this was a book that head of the Pentarchy Celestia Dreamweaver owned for a period of time. It wasn't necessarily like a signature book. Obviously, she had many artifacts, as did all the Pentarchy, that were kind of their iconic bits of power. But there were kind of trace mentions here and there of this book 
being used by her across the years. Gotcha. So you can also roll an insight check if you'd like on kind of what, knowing what you know, Uh what your first impressions are. Does the Libermorte look like a dwarf to Val? Uh, Why would it? Two on the die. Totally inscrutable. It is just lounging there. It's observing everything and seems content to wait for your answer to any of its questions. As we've been exploring this whole place, Checkers says, despite how he's been acting, he's been really on edge this whole time. And it really started with the trip down the elevator and that sort of magical arcane blast that set Checkers' little paper totem on fire, essentially. Like, that's when he realized this is not a good situation. (laughs) Like, this is not going to be fun. This is dangerous and bad. And that spending more time here has only reinforced that. The, The dark, oppressive tunnels, the fog that's been shrouding everything, and now opening this chained door to find a... A grung. A, gr- a, gr- a grung. Yeah. Staring back mm-hmm. at checkers. In robes. Just right there in front of you, saying in a perfectly normal voice, I am the Libra Morte. This may have been difficult to pick up, but checkers was shaking a little bit as he was opening the door. And now he is feeling more tense, more afraid than ever before. So, getting this question, he doesn't really know how to respond to this, but he thinks about someone who would know how to respond. And he's going to reach into the little uh, handy haversack that we have and pull out the large sun hat that belonged to Lorana Moonglow. And this is post-opening the door. Yes, this is post-opening the door Mm -hmm. and just kind of do a quick costume change. (laughs) Do you do it in full sight of the door or do you like duck out of the way, costume change off stage and then re-enter? I think Checkers would costume change off stage, re-enter and just, you see him like duck out and come back in with like this more straighter posture, this relaxed look on his face, this kind of like Cheshire Cat grin on his lips and he looks eye level at this grung staring at him but aren't you just the cutest thing roll me a performance check yeah checkers is absolutely putting on a performance yep yeah and i want to do this because i actually have advantage on performance great yeah (laughs) hell yeah Yeah. 100 i don't remember why but i don't need to know why that's not important to me we want it for yeah yeah great That's a seven. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 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 wow. sorry, 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 uh-huh. sorry, uh-huh. sorry. <laughs> you have advantage. Yeah. On performance. Yes, I do. <laughs> and a seven. Nathan, he rolled an eight. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is why I. What is happening? <laughs> Check. I don't mean to change the mood. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to change the mood of the episode. No, it's good. This is all very Checkers good. Checkers definitely comes in, grit on his face, takes one step and just trips and just flops face first. The hat goes flying. 
and you just see his weird little head. This may be the first time anyone's seen his actual head. <laughs> just bald head. Yeah, he's got a bald head. <laughs> he, he, keeps, he keeps his hat on right. while swimming, right. in the bath, at yeah. all times. He's old enough to have male pattern baldness. <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> I guess so. And you all see this book, again, question mark, this creature, we'll say, has been looking at each of you individually, making eye contact with you personally, he says, pointing at every member of this table since you opened the door. As Checkers kind of flops <laughs> into the door for maybe, probably the second time other than watching Kaskrin come in, you see his eyes dart down and look at Checkers. And you can see that it clocks that in Checkers' outstretched hands, he still has the library card. Yes. That means that he is the person checking out the book. The Libra Morte very calmly looks back up at you all. As I said, what is it you wish of me? Kaskrin has been feeling much the same way as checkers <laughs> just because of like mm -hmm. the, the sheer cacophony you know he is at almost his wit's end coming here and finding this and not the book part of him knows that seeing another dwarf should put him on edge but instead it lulls him into a bit of a false sense of security it's like here's something familiar mm-hmm in all of this chaos. And so Kaskrin does like, he takes the most direct path forward. And here he says to the Libra Morte, listen, friend, you've been here a long time and we're here to get you out. In that gesture, Kaskrin's going to take a step inside the room mm -hmm. and try to take the Liber Morte's hand in that same like dwarven brethren like handshake like elbow to elbow forearm to forearm I'm here to get you out of here Selv and Val as you see Kaskrin kind of walk in and just approach this creature it very subtly reacts not to Kaskrin coming in but what you guys clock is that it reacts just a tiny bit to we're here to get you out of here. There's just that kind of maybe an eyebrow waggle, maybe a smirk, maybe you're not sure. It's, again, just almost too alien, but there was something. Kaskrin, you extend your hand out, and this strange dwarf doesn't meet your hand. I'm in no great rush to leave. I've been here for some time. And frankly, I will only go with the worthy and powerful. Those willing to push boundaries, sacrifice to achieve greatness. And Checkers, he's like picking himself off the floor right now, but like he hears that and he says, what do you mean you want to stay here? 
This place is awful. Why wouldn't you want to come with us? You see a pair of wet, froggy eyes blink at you. I don't experience waiting in the same way I would imagine mortals do. I have had my fill of masters, mistresses, and such that were simply not the kinds of individuals that I feel like take advantage of the possibilities. I am an amalgamation of centuries of knowledge, of achievement. Frankly, I am not interested in going with someone who is not interested in achieving. If you're the amalgamation of centuries of knowledge, think of everything that you could do out there in the grand wide world. You don't have to be here. I certainly don't. I would prefer to be useful, to grow, to grow myself, to grow my partner. My point being, I am not interested in simply going just to be free. What freedom is there in being partners with those I do not respect? Kaskrin would like to do a insight roll as mm-hmm. he's looking this dwarf in the face. Can he see something about us to determine if we're worthy or not? Is that something we can fake? Does he see any of us as suitable candidates? Yeah, Romian insight check. I like this as kind of a, like, you're trying to read him reading you. Right, exactly. Eight. Mm. <laughs> to all the world, it seems like the coldest of customers he is certainly willing to talk with you, but is the most new, like infuriatingly neutral, mm-hmm. not giving a single thing away. The greatest poker player <laughs> in all of Rixia. I don't know about power, but we seek knowledge. Is that something that you can provide? Of course. Of course. A knowledge of a great many things. Knowledge, of course, that I only share with those who I connect to. Those who imbue their power in me and I, in turn, in them. Is there anyone that you have been bonded to that you consider a suitable match. The list of those who were truly suitable feels smaller the longer that I think about our times together. Certainly, Idis, the Believer, Ragrex, Yelnrax, and others... Do I recognize any of those no. names? The, right. These names would mean nothing to anyone. Like, Val, you got a natural 20 in researching. These names mean nothing to you. And you, Steve, and Selv would note that it didn't say anything about Celestia Dreamweaver of okay. the Pentarchy. Okay.
And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength and diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Hi everyone, David here with The Midroll. We hope you've been enjoying the episode so far. If you want more of the Reckless Attack crew, come join the community on Discord. The link is in the show notes of the episode and on our website, recklessattack.com. If you want to support the show, head on over to Patreon, where you can get access to our behind-the-screen talkback series, as well as our new series, Reckless A Snack, where we eat snacks and chat about the question of the day. As always, if you like the show, be sure to tell a friend about it too. Thanks so much for listening, and now, back to the episode. And Kaskrin will think back a little bit as he's experiencing some of these same emotions, this fear, this anxiety. He is thinking back to the last time he felt these. And he asks the Liber Morte, what do you know of a being called the Shepherd? What do you know about the Eternal Citadel? And of the dragons? Not to interrupt, but can everyone here make me a constitution saving throw, please? Oh, no. (laughs) And more specifically, I'm not interested in how well anyone did. I don't hear it. But who rolled lower than a 17? The Zangs just (laughs) looked at each other. Kaskrin got a 14. Checkers with a 9. No... As all of these discussions continue, as you ask a couple questions of the Eternal Citadel, as you guys kind of continue talking amongst yourselves of what to do, Kaskrin, you feel, we'll say maybe in a, in a <laughs> breast pocket or something. Oh, no. A burning sensation. Mm-hmm. As what can only be that small paper protective totem previously saved you against damage catches a light inside of your pocket. Catherine just was like, my little guy! And then like <laughs> pats his little, pats his uh, breastplate where he's holding the thing to try and uh, put it I out. Yeah. That would be under. Checkers. Mm-hmm. This is where I would say, Checkers, your 
little paper protective thing also starts to catch fire, but well, yours is yours is already cinders, mine, isn't it? Mine's crispy, yeah. Checkers, as all of this discussion continues, that weighty atmosphere of all the magic that is in this place that humidity Uh of power and latent energy something happens a scale tips and now you can feel your skin start to itch and burn while you do not literally catch on fire all across your body you feel the beginnings of pain of searing discomfort first roll a pile of dice you take 18 <laughs> points of force damage what oh what ow my skin are you sure he's not literally on fire uh <laughs> It would be almost easier if he was on fire. <laughs> but you guys, you guys don't see anything immediately wrong. You guys just see Kaskrin's pocket start to smoke, essentially. Yeah, right, yeah. How does Checkers react to this pain? This seemingly... Ooh, I'm really sorry to make this joke and maybe edit this out later if we decide that it is offensive to frogs. Mm-hmm. But it is if the... The frog in boiling water sensation. (laughs) And you realize, oh no, I've been standing in boiling water for a little while. And a pain that was so small that it was imperceptible is now all you were aware of. So Checkers was on the floor already. And as he gets hit by this feeling, this pressure, he starts like rolling around in that like stop, drop, and roll kind of thing where he feels like he's on fire like where he feels like his skin is burning off of him and he's trying to get it to stop until all of a sudden he just like crashes on the ground just stock still barely trembling trying to almost contain himself a little bit you might even have trouble breathing yeah where it's like every inch of your body exposed to air is on fire. It is. It has been pepper sprayed. Like your lungs, your skin, every inch of you is a fire. And like this is not a physical sensation. This is not something that he could like put out. This is something like imprinted on his soul almost that he cannot escape from. As the Libra Morte watches all of this happen, It seems to turn to each of you and address you in its various forms. The magic of this place does nothing to arcane constructs such as myself, but it is not safe for you mortals to linger. Leave now and lock the door behind you, or stay and debate and burn. I care only to partner with the worthy. And if you are not willing, you are not worthy.
from behind Selv, Cass, and Checkers, who have all stepped into this cell. You hear faintly but forcefully Val say, Come with me. And I think it takes everyone by surprise. And I imagine Selv being the last one to step into the room, maybe turns back and steps aside to reveal Val in the doorway. Looking slightly different, no costume change or (laughs) thing, but in almost a gravitas you have not seen Val present before. Val will make direct eye contact with the Libra Morte. She will say in a, again, soft, but serious tone, I strive to know the unknowable. I seek the knowledge most are not aware exist. I devote my life to expanding the bounds of the known. I am worthy. Come with me. I'm imagining Val and I guess Mango are the the (laughs) two still outside of of the cell. Everyone else I think is in uh, or closer at least. Yeah. And I'm just imagining kind of everyone just kind of parting and looking back behind them. And through everyone, you see this seated figure. You see their eyes look down at wherever you have any sort of focus or symbol Mm -hmm. of your order. And for a second, it is as if you two are the only people in this conversation. Such is kind of the intensity of the moment. It looks at you and says, I can teach you so much. I can give you knowledge. And of course, knowledge is power. Knowledge is a great many things. You can, we can better shape your destiny, better shape the destiny of those around you. You simply must take me, connect with me, share with me, and I will share in return. Val will walk forward, gently take the Dewey Decimal card from Checkers, and go up eye level to the Libra Morte. Mm-hmm. Go to place the card between its bindings as to unlock it. I think just before you get all the way up to the Libra Morte, Catherine will like grab your arm 
you all see Valen again with this kind of this gravitas. I think that's right. the perfect yeah. word for it. And she just moves forward with full confidence. And you see her reach in and start to kind of put this card out. And the Libra Morte moves really for the first time and raises its two wrists that have now this prominent kind of metal bands around it and holds them as if they are cuffs outward towards Val. And Val, you start to extend your hand with the note card in it when you feel a clasp on your shoulder, on your arm from Kaskarin. Val, what are you doing? This wasn't part of the plan. And Kaskarin's like reacting to a side of Val he's never seen before. He's used to 18-year-old bookish, like, excitable Val, but he sees none of that right now. And he kind of, like, turns you around a little bit to face him. Valeska, I trust you, but I'm worried. I just need you to look me in the eye and tell me that you know what you're doing. That you have a plan for all of this. And Kaskrin looks back down at Checkers, who is motionless on the floor. Val will stand in front of Kaskrin and as he's still holding her forearm, place her other hand on the hand that's resting on her forearm. And I assume gripping it unintentionally tightly. Pretty hard, yeah. Fear and <laughs> yeah. questioning and say, don't worry. I've got this. And Kaskrin, you see her eyes are clear. They have that weight behind them, but there's no confusion there. There's no ensorcelment. It is just Valeska Carter looking at you, saying, trust me, I got this. And after a moment, Taskrin will slowly pull his hand away. Val will turn back. It's wrists are still up and it's you all can see that its eyes haven't left Val Val will carefully using the card unlock the chains there's as it approaches this arcane energy coalesces Kind of just into a simple circle. But an obvious slot. And as it goes in, the back of the card disappears as if it's going into another plane of existence. And these two bands fall off of the wrists. You all see this human asterisk individual stand up and nod at Val 
with a small smile. Let us leave together as new partners, and they extend their hand outward. Thou will accept the handshake and whisper, mostly so only they can hear. Knowledge is everything. Something small happens. There is kind of a a rush of energy. It takes you a second to clock what it is because it usually doesn't happen this quickly. Instead of over the course of like a long rest or something, it happens all at once where you are now partially attuned to a new item. And so, with this agreement, all the noise in the background mutes. All of the various banging, shrieking, shrill sounds, low rumbles cease. Thou will turn around, I think, really look at Checkers. And Checkers is looking back at you with this, like, really concerned face. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Thou will walk past knowing unsure how that the Libra Morte will be half step behind and slowly make her way to the elevator. You all walk back along these strange winding paths that you took here and all of you see in front of you Val walking with this creature. Sometime as you guys are working your way back along these dark corridors, eventually all of you pick up that the book is matching her gait perfectly. Stepping in unison, even is walking with a similar gait. And you all make your way to the creaky elevator. Step in. And then in the moment that the doors close, two things happen. First, there just is no longer a person there. The Libra Morte is gone. Instead, on Val's hip is a fairly small surprisingly nondescript black book with those book bindings around them that are very reminiscent of the shackles that it once had. And as the elevator raises the doors rattle and shake as you all hear a roar erupting from the room you were just in as that strange draconic apparition 
lets out a bellow. And that is where we will leave this week, and we will see you all next time. Bye, everyone! Yay! Bye! Two down, baby! Right there in front of you, saying in a perfectly normal voice, I'm I'm the Libra Morta. Libra Morta. Morta. God fucking uh, damn it. That's all right. Thank you for catching it. It is I it is again one of those things. It's gonna be in my head forever. Absolutely, totally. Gonna fuck it up and then I'll just forever be like, you know, the grimoire. <laughs> good old, good old LM. Uh but in a totally normal voice, said, I am I am the Libra Morte. <laughs>